space. But today, I want to bring you my, my favorite chapter. Now, I want to caveat something. When I say my, you know, the word favorite always denotes one, right? My favorite person, my favorite food. But I'm going to be a little bit Malaysian now because, you know, when, you know in Malaysian, what's your favorite food? I don't have one. I've got like 10, right? What's your favorite uh, uh, TV series? I don't have one. I've got five, right? So what is your favorite book? Now, trust me, when Pastor Fergus gave me this topic, Late last year, so I've got like four or five months to prepare. It, I, I could not nail down which favorite chapter I wanted to preach on because honestly speaking, I do have quite a few, right? So do I want to pull from the New or the Old Testament? Do I want to pull, one of my favorite books is Genesis, then it's Romans, uh, uh, right? Uh, do I want to pull from Old or New? Then I, I thought, I honestly thought I would be speaking on the book of Obadiah, but then I was like, well, well, uh, well, do I really want to? Uh, uh, but then I thought, okay, I will actually speak on one of my favorite chapters. And then I'll pull out one chapter from that, right? So if, if I'm reading to you today and you are uh, lost in the middle, go home and read Exodus chapter 19 to Exodus chapter 24. So 19 to 24 is actually a mini-series out of the big book of Exodus. Exodus has 40 chapters. 19 to 24 is a mini, mini little book within a book, right? So I'm, I'm only pulling out Exodus 20. Now, if I were to preach a series on 19 to 24, Exodus 20 will be my fourth sermon of the series, right? So if I lose you somewhere or if I refer to something uh, uh, prior or something later, go back and read it. I'm sure you catch up. So I'm going to pull from Exodus 20. This is honestly one of my, I think, top five of my favorite chapters of the book. Um, last night, my wife was asking me, so what are you actually preaching on? I said, Exodus 20. She's like, uh, oh, that's the Ten Commandments, right? I said, yes. And she's like, oh, it's, it's so you to be preaching on the book of law. And I'm like, okay, well, well, a while of my first profession was actually, I kind of wanted to be a lawyer to start off with, but that was the 17-year-old crazy me. All right, now I'm a little bit more sane. That's why I'm a pastor, right? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to read from the books, uh, uh, Exodus chapter 20. If you know it, it's the Ten Commandments. But I'm going to breeze past the Ten Commandments because my focus today is not the Ten Commandments. My focus today is actually uh, verse 18 to 26. So I'm going to have to assume you know the Ten Commandments. But if you don't, it's a good time to go back to your cell groups on the weekend that follows, and then ask your cell leader or the core or anybody, your friend, what actually is the Ten Commandments and why is it called Commandments, right? Shouldn't it be Ten Suggestions? Oh, okay, anyways, just ask the cell leader. If he doesn't know the answer, uh, uh, Pastor Fergus will talk to the leader. Okay, Te uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. I'm going to breeze through the Ten Commandments. Following me, everybody? All right, and then I'm going to pray. And God spoke all these words. So God spoke to Moses, now there at Mount Sinai. God spoke all these words to Moses. Commandment number one, I am the Lord your God, wait, no, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So he, he tells, the pe tells Moses, this is who I am, right? This is what I've done for you. Commandment one, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment two, you shall not make for yourself an idol in a form of anything, anything created. You shall not make an idol. Don't make an image out of anything, right? Commandment three, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. How many of us have forgotten this commandment? Do not blaspheme the name of Jesus. Don't blaspheme. It's getting more and more common in the whole world, right? Every time you watch something on TV, you, you definitely see the word Jesus being used just so commonly, right? So God actually says, do not misuse his name. Commandment number, am I number four now? Keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember the Sabbath day. How many of us have forgotten that? That is actually a commandment. How many of us have forgotten that we are called to keep the Sabbath day holy? Do you keep one day holy? 
holy to God, devoted to God and God only. If you haven't, then today is a good reminder, right? Uh, uh, the next commandment, honour your father and your mother. Do you know that uh, this commandment is taken so seriously that I think it's mentioned two or three times later on. It says, if you, if you scold your parents, if you beat your parents, if you chase your parents out, if you curse your parents, actually you are eligible to be stoned to death. Just so you know, it's a commandment in the Old Testament. So think about it. We people in the modern day times, we forget that we just treat our parents like, like, like nothing, right? Like common, like how we treat our friends or even worse, how we treat our enemies. That's how we treat our parents. But God actually says, honor your father and mother. So if anything today, take away, honor your father and mother today because it will go good for you, right? Next commandment, you shall not murder. Let's just hope. None of us have broken that one, okay? You shall not commit adultery. That, that includes, let's not break that one. You shall not steal, so don't, don't steal, all right? You shall not give false testimony, a.k.a. do not lie. Now, that's an important one. How many of us have broken that one, right? We lie all the time, right? Whether, like, some of us like to cross the boundary. Is a white lie okay? Can we tell white lies? I'm going to leave it to you to talk about that in your cell groups, right? And the last one, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. And the Bible is very specific. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Oh my word, right? His manservant, his servants, his food, uh, his donkeys, his oxen, anything that belongs to your neighbor, you shall not covet. That's the Ten Commandments, right? Then God goes on to, to go verse 18 to verse 26. Now I want to remind all of us, most of us, if we've been Christians for a long time, we would know the Ten Commandments. We would. I would think so. We would know the Ten Commandments. But how, how many of us actually knows what follows the Ten Commandments? Because to me, in my honest opinion, what follows the Ten Commandments is more important than the Ten Commandments. Okay, that's just to me, okay? But, uh, 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 okay, that's just me. I'm going to read now verse 18. Now I'm going to word by word. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, this is Mount Sinai, in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at the distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at the distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites this, you have seen for yourself that I have spoken to you from heaven. It's interesting, right? I, I, oh, I'm jumping, I'm jumping my own sermon here, but watch the language God says. You have seen for yourself right? That I have spoken to you from heaven. How do you hear from your eyes? Okay, it's interesting. Just, just putting it out there, right? Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourself gods of silver or gods of gold. Make an altar of earth, of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle where, wherever I cause my name to be honored. I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dressed stones for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. And do not go up my altar on steps lest your nakedness be exposed on it. Quick prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for this time and the reading of your word. Father God, this is, the, oh, this is the first time that you've given your laws to the people of God. And your first time giving your laws to us, Father God, we will not take lightly. This is serious stuff. This is you speaking from heaven and giving us boundaries and fence and telling us how to live our life within those fence so that we do not dishonor you and we do not dishonor each other. So teach us, Father God, how to live within that boundary because we want to put you first. We want to fear you. We want to honor 
honor you. We want to love you. We want to, we want to uh, dedicate our lives to you, Father God. So speak to us this morning, Holy Spirit, impart your wisdom and your conviction into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, so that's, um, I'm, I, I, I also told Pastor Fergus that I'm not going to give you a three-point sermon. Because it's tough. It's really tough to divide uh, how many verses of this into a three-point sermon. So what I'm going to do today is what I actually love more than a three-point sermon. I love a verse-by-verse sermon. So I'm going to go through verse-by-verse. All right. So if we're going to be here until 1 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, Pastor Fergus have already said yes. No he, did, no, he did not. No, he did not. He gave me 11 o'clock. So I'm going to keep within my time. That's 25 minutes. Um, I'm going to go verse by verse. But I'm hoping that we will pick up something along the way because it is quite long. All right. Um, and then we will, we will take home something. All right. I'm going to start with this. Why is the book of Exodus, uh, why is the chapter Exodus 20 my favorite chapter? Because it covers a lot of first in the Bible. It's just so you know, it's the first time God speaks to a mass crowd of people. All right. All right, before that, he speaks to Abraham, a singular guy, Jake, Isaac and Jacob. He speaks to Moses. I, I, I believe to a certain extent he speaks to Aaron as well. He's, he's, so far, he's been a god to a singular human being. But this is the first time he's a god to, like, the peoples. Of course, before this, he, he, he reveals himself to just not Israelites, but also non-Israelites through the ten plagues in Egypt, right? But here, he speaks to his people. So I want you to pay really close attention because God in the New Testament now, he doesn't speak to just one man. He speaks to us collectively as a church. And that's why it's important, Sungabulo, we are corporately together as a church. We're part as a church in Sungabulo, but of course, we're also part of a bigger body, SIBKL. And then SIBKL is part of a bigger body, which is the church of the bride of Christ in, in the whole entire world. World, and then, uh, so we're part of a church, and God speaks to a corporate body. So that's why when people ask, uh, why do I pray solo? Uh, so sorry, why do I go into a prayer altar to pray with people? Why can't I just pray myself in the room? My answer is always, God always speaks to the body. God always speaks. He, he, he can also speak to a singular man, of course, but he usually speaks to a body. We're in the book of Revelations. Just so you know, in the seven churches, God never spoke to one man. God talks to each church by addressing the church. He speaks to the body. So if one of us sins, he rebukes the body. If one of us does well, he blesses the body. So let's pray for each other, make sure that we keep each other in check and make sure that we want to be blessed by God as a body of Christ, right? Okay. Um, where was I? Okay, so this is the first time God was speaking to a body of Christ. Uh, this is the first time God has revealed His Ten Commandments. This is actually the first time He etched something on a written, on, on a, actually a created thing, which is the tablets of the Ten Commandments, which is why it's, it's so important, which is why it is in the Ark of the Covenant. FYI, it is quite important. This is the first time where people saw God manifest in thunder, lightning, and sounds of trumpets. They can't even describe it, describe it that way. So this is the first of many things. And that's why it's kind of one of my favorite. So let's go into it, right? What is one of the first? Let's go into uh, verse 18. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet, they saw the mountain in smoke and they trembled with fear. They stayed at the distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Very interesting. Um, just so you know, God always wants to reveal himself to us. So I don't believe we serve a God that is withholding his presence, that is withholding his, his revelation of himself 
to us human beings. We serve a relational God. We serve a God who wants to be with us, who wants to commune with us, who wants to relate with us. I hope you believe that with all your heart, that God wants to reveal himself to you. And there's two, two ways God does it. He either does it by revealing himself, so he shows up and he doesn't need your invitation because you don't need to approve of him. Uh, uh, or sometimes he says, I'm going to stand at the door and I need you to open up the door and invite me in and then I come in. So when he reveals himself without your invitation, it is something for you to take note because he's got something very important to say and he does not need you to open up the door before he says it. But chapter 19, if you read chapter 19, they, they do. They prepare themselves to hear the word of God. So I want you to ask yourself this question. Have you ever encountered God's presence personally? Why this is so important to me is because it always reminds me that I want to always, I crave, I crave it to always experience God personally or corporately, wherever it is. But I want to experience you, God. I want to know what it means that you're speaking to me with a loud, audible voice. I want to know what it means that the thick, dense cloud comes down in a tent of meeting and it's so thick, the Shekinah glory of God is so thick that I cannot even enter the room. Or the Shekinah glory is so thick that, I, that when, when it falls on me, I can't even stand and I'm pressed to the floor. Have you, do you crave for it? If you don't, Today, I'm hoping you will, you will start craving for it. You would whet your appetite to start inviting God into your life. And here, the people have the opportunity to see God or hear God through a thunder and lightning and the trumpet and an earthquake. The mountain trembled in the presence of God. The more and more I read the book of Exodus, you know, I, okay, I have not decoded the whole book of Exodus so well, which means that I have plenty of questions that are absolutely unanswered, and I'm still searching for those answered. But, but as I read verse 18 more and more, I want you to know that I believe, this is, I believe that God himself did not come to the mountain in 100%. I believe, I think he just needs to come to the mountain 0.0001%, and you already see thunders and lightning and the earth shook and the mountain trembled because I want you to, 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 to feel the awesomeness and the bigness and the sovereignty and the almighty God that he doesn't even need to manifest himself in 100%. He just needs an absolutely small decimal point of himself for you to witness an amazing supernatural phenomenon and you tremble with fear. I want to remind all of you, as I remind myself every time I read the book of Exodus, that God is a big God. He owes you nothing. He owes you nothing. That in the whole book of Exodus, all the laws and all the boundaries and all the fence is there so that we are not judged dead. Just so you know. Just in case you've forgotten because we're always preaching the New Testament, the New Testament that Jesus died for you, that Jesus bled for you, that Jesus saved you, and that is true and that is victorious and that is good. But I want to remind you that, hey, at the end of the day, without Jesus, the moment we cross the boundary, we are eligible to be struck dead by God or eligible to be stoned by everybody in this room. So if I... If I, if, I, if I break one of these laws, like for example, if I dishonored and I curse my father and mother, and somehow Pastor Fergus caught wind of it, actually, all these eight or ten Sumerbulo people here are eligible to stone me to death right here, right now. So I want you to, to, to realize that, hey, don't take the laws of God 
lightly. Don't. The laws of God does not change. Even though we live in the New Testament, it is still the laws of God. So that's why uh, it starts off that way. And then I want to focus on this part. When the people saw and heard the supernatural phenomenon, what did they do? They trembled with fear and they stayed at the distance and they told Moses, Moses, you speak to us, otherwise we will die. I want to contrast the two fears. You see, 1819 and 2021 talks about the two different kind of fears. And it is almost like the first time in the Bible that talks that God speaks about the fear of God. You see, 1819, when, when you experience God, I believe that there will be a natural fear that takes over you. Because, hey, if you do not fear approaching God, you must either be sinless like Jesus, or you must be so sinful that you ha have lost all, you have seared all your conscience about sin. That you think that there is no problem to sin, the wages of sin is not death, and that you just approach God willy-nilly as you are, however you want to dress, however you want to talk, however you want to act, you just approach God. And God is saying, no, when, when God reveals himself to you, you would feel the absolute tangibleness of your sins and the absolute tangibleness of the glory of God. Do you know, um, as I crave God uh, more and more in my life, um, there's only twice, I think, if I could count, if I could put a number to it, that when I actually prayed for a long period of time, that I actually felt um, God to a certain extent, all right? I don't know how much, whatever percentage you want to put there. And I actually felt the weight of my sins, that suddenly a small sin, like even if you tell a small little sin, like I arrived at 10.59 instead of 10.59.1, microsecond. That is a small amount of sin. It's enough to make me feel that that sin separates me from God. And, I, and I'm hoping that today that you would crave it wherever you are to actually experience God and to feel the weight of his sins and, and see what the people says. They backed away from God because they were afraid to die. What is wrong with that? What is so wrong with that? Ask yourself. The answer is yes, it's wrong. But what is so wrong with that? They backed away from God because they were afraid to die. Before I answer that question, I'm going to move a little bit forward, right? God, in uh, uh, verse 20 says, the Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. So there's a contrast here. They were afraid to die, but then Moses says, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will keep you from sinning. See, this is one of the earliest times that says God has come to test you. Whenever you feel God, whenever you feel the weight of your sin within you, whenever the Holy Spirit pricks you and convicts you of your sin, I hope that you would feel a certain measure of being afraid to die. But the beauty here. Of, of, of how God reveals himself to the people is, I'm coming to test you. So that when you fear death, you only can do two things. Either you back away or you move on forward. The people backed away, but Moses moved on forward. Did Moses die? Evidently not. He did not. Because the, you feel the weight of your sin on one hand, 
but you also feel the weight of His glory and grace on another hand. If you only have the fear of dying, you will back away and you will never come back to God. But God is telling all of us, and even in the Old Testament, so that's why pe when people say that God of the Old is the different from God of the New Testament, I'm always confused because that's not true. Even in the Old Testament, God has always been the God of grace and the God of love and the God of embrace. And here it says, come even though you feel afraid to die, but come into my presence because there is a weight of God that says I'm going to make you feel the weight of grace even more. Remember in the book of Romans it says, where, where, where sin abound, let grace grace abound even more. I think that's Romans 6. Let grace abound even more. So you then understand the loving kindness of God. So God is coming to test you. Which will you do? Will you back away or will you move on forward? Will you be the Israelites or will you be Moses? And that's, that's always why I love this so much because at different junctures of my life, I find myself backing away and sometimes I feel myself pushing forward. But sometimes I back away, sometimes I push forward. And I, and I wish we come back to this to remind me that I should try to push on forward more than I try to back away. Because it's normal human nature to back away from such an awesomeness of God, right? For example, how many of us, we don't even need the fear of dying. How many of us have allowed anger, unforgiveness, temper, wrath to prevent us from actually worshipping God? We go, no, I don't, I don't want to worship God today because I'm angry, whoever you're angry with, right? You could be angry with the economy or the climate, whatever it is, or people. I'm angry. I don't want to worship God. I'm angry. We fall into this. We've allowed something, a sin, to pull us away from God. How many of us have allowed technology to pull us away from God? How many of us have allowed that? Oh, I'm hitting almost everyone, including myself. How many of us have allowed a medium like Zoom or YouTube to say, you know what? It's nothing like actual worship. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's nothing like actual life worship, I know. But we have allowed that technology and used it as, as an excuse to pull away from God and not towards God. Yeah. We have allowed it to say, you know what? I'm so comfortable with my chair and whatever. I dress up to go to church. I'm comfortable on my couch. And I'm just going to relax. A year later after relaxing, you've pull, you pulled away from God. And God today says, I have maybe put the pandemic in front of you to test you. Are you going to pull in or pull out? Whatever it may be. You can put it, whether it's your sin of anger, the sin of technology, the sin of complacency, the sin of pornography, the sin of whatever sin you want to put in front of you, we always put a barrier between us and God and says, God, I'm going to pull away. So today, as I challenge myself all the time, I want to challenge you. Do you feel the weight of your sin of death more? Or do you feel the weight of God's grace and God's loving kindness more? And today, God is asking you that question. He's testing you. Because he wants the fear of God to do what? The fear of God and the weight of his grace and glory prevents you from sinning and prevents you from having this fear of overcoming your good fear. So I'm not, today's not a talk about reverential fear, but I'm pitching both fears together. We fear God so much. We love his grace and loving. We understand it so much that it prevents us from sinning. How many of us takes the posture, and I really have to move on, I have 10 minutes. I have, how many of us takes the posture of, I don't want to, okay, if you're a young adult here and not married, I don't want to have premarital sex 
because the pastor said so, the church said so, or somewhere in the Bible it says so, so I better not do it. Or do we take the posture, I don't want to do it because I love God so much, because I appreciate God's grace so much, because I appreciate God's loving kindness so much, because I know that sin will draw me away from God and I don't want it, so I want to draw closer to God. Which category do you fall in? And if you fall in the first, there's redemption because God is saying, I'm here to show you my grace and glory. Don't back out today, back in. But if you fall in a second, good, keep pressing in. Be the Moses of your generation. Be that Moses that steps into that grace and says, God, I'm going to step in. I'm going to press in. Do you know that Moses carried the weight of the sin of the people? If you keep reading the whole book of Exodus, he carried the weight of sin. So if anything, if there's a million people uh, who sinned, Moses carries that weight and he still steps into the presence. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? Okay, that's another sermon. I'm not going to go there today. I want to move on. So the point number one, which fear do you fear more? That's point number one. Point number two, verse 22 onwards, okay? Um, the more I read this book, the more I believe that verse 22 should be chapter 21, verse 1, okay? Because verse 22 and verse 21 is an absolute off-tangent, all right? One talks about the fear of God approaching God, and then the next one talks, brings us back to the commandment. See, verse 22, how does it start? It says this. It's just one verse. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites this, you have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make any for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. Doesn't this remind you of uh, commandment one or even commandment two? So God reminds Moses of the commandment then he tells Moses why. That's why I love the book of Exodus. He gives you the what, and then he tells you the why, and then he tells you the how. So if you're structured and logical like me, you have to process God in a very logical box kind of way. Great. The book of Exodus is absolutely for you. God tells you what. Don't do this. That's a what. Then he tells you why. Why, which is the verses ahead. Then after that, chapter 21 to chapter 23, he tells you how. How do you do it? You don't do this, but you do this. You don't do this, but you do this. It's amazing. It's, a, it's an amazing book. Okay, now let me tell you why this is placed. And let me tell you how we have failed. Commandment 23, uh, verse 23 is very specific. He says, do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. It's very interesting that if you, you've, just a few chapters later, of course, they made a golden calf. Now we all know that, right? But let's forgive the golden calf for a moment. Let's, let's fast forward a few books. What kind of gods did the Israelites build for themselves? Pop quiz. What kind of gods? Do you know the god of the Ashtoreth poles? You, the god of Baal and the god of the Ashtoreth poles, right? Um, it's, it's, it's littered all over Chronicles and Kings and, all, and Samuel and all the books, right? So if you read it, especially the book of Judges, and the Israelites built Ashtoreth poles, and the Israelites put Baal and worshipped Baal. Do you know that these gods are gods shaped out of dead trees. They are made out of wood. Do you see how we have corrupted the boundaries that God has put forth? And this is a stark reminder to me. God says, don't make any gods out of silver and gold. So the people said, okay, we'll make a god out of wood instead. Because, because you never said, don't make a god out of wood. You just said gold and, and silver right? So they made a God out of wood. Oh my goodness. How many times have we do that in our lives? But God says, don't cross this boundary. Don't tell a lie 
in the workplace, for example. Let me just give one example, right? But we say, okay, I'm going to push the boundary a bit. I'm going to redefine uh, that law. I'm going to tell a white lie. Then I'm going to tell a gray lie. And then I'm going to add all the colors of the spectrum into that lie, you know, a red lie, a purple lie, whatever that means, right? I'm going to try to be so close to the boundaries that I have one foot not breaking the law, but yet another foot trying to see if I die, if I do break it. How many of us fall under that category? And today it's time for you to take a look for us to take a look at ourselves, and me included, that when God says, forgive, and we say, okay, I will forgive you, but I don't want to make up and make peace, and so I won't say sorry, but I, I will forgive you from my end, and that's good enough. And God says, no, go to your brother and, and, and make peace. Matthew chapter 5, if, you, if you, you're angry with your brother, go and, go and make peace with your brother. He never says, go and make peace with yourself, and then come before God. He says, go and make peace with your brother. And that is a law that I try to keep all the time. If I'm angry at somebody, and before I preach or before I, I, I pray, I, if, I, if I know consciously that I'm, ooh, I'm angry at you, whether I'm right or wrong, if I want to approach the presence of God, God says, hey, you, you, you go. And make peace with your brother. And sometimes you will see me going up to you and says, you know, 20 years ago, do you remember the time I pulled your ear? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Okay, I'm making a joke out of it, but it's real. So we, we human beings, we love to push the boundary so far. And my warning is, you push the boundary and you keep pushing those boundaries, sooner or later you just fall off the cliff and you no longer have a conscience. The Holy Spirit himself cannot even speak to you. You go so far off. And that's why we're in the book of Revelations. The moment we jump off that cliff, um, yeah, I think the black horse will come for you first, okay? Uh, uh, just, just in case you're curious what the black horse is or the red rider, uh, um, go look it up Revelations. I have to continue. I have five to ten minutes for the rest, and then I want to close with this. 11.15? Well, Pastor Fugger said 11.15. This is great, all right? I love this part. Um, if I have more time, I want to explain the practical reasons why God did this, but I love this part. 24. Make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. In my Bible, the word cattle is split into two, so it's cattle. So if you don't read it in a whole, it says sacrifice your sheep and goat and your cat. But it's not, it's cattle, okay, just so you know. Um, don't sacrifice your cats, please. Um, Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dressed stones, for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. Do not go up to my altars with, on steps, lest your nakedness be exposed on it. Check this out. God says, build an altar of earth for me. I want you to pay attention to verse 25. He says, if you make an altar of stones, not when, not you should, but if. So actually, the original commandment is if build an altar of earth for me. But if you really want to push my boundaries again, like you always do, dear human beings, fine. You want to make an altar of stones? Here are my other laws for it. But let me explain the altar of earth. How much time do I have? Okay, let me explain the altar of earth, and I want to cut to my application. Altar of earth is this. From the very beginning... Do you know why God never said, you know, I believe, don't build for me a fancy altar, you know, like the, like the Canaanites do. Do you know that in the book of Exodus, um, okay, I have one picture that would come up, uh, the ziggurat of Ur. Um, so I think the team will send you the picture on the chat group. You can download those, that picture and then take a look at it. Now, that ziggurat is 
4,000 years old. That ziggurat is actually an altar that pays homage to the Canaanite gods, right? So in that ziggurat, if you take a look at the picture, it's huge, it's fancy, it's big, right? Um, um, the, the comparison between a human being and the ziggurat is, is, is huge. It's almost like you're going to the Twin Towers or something. Not saying the Twin Towers is a ziggurat, okay? I'm just, I, <laughs> I'm just comparing the ratio of people and a building, okay? But it's huge, it's nice, it's beautiful, right? There are steps and the stones are paved nice and God says, I don't, no, I, 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 I don't want you to build that. There's a practical reason and there's a spiritual reason. Let me give you the spiritual reason. God always asks all of us to come before Him on an altar of earth. Dust we come, dust we will go, and with dust we will worship God. What does this mean? God says, I don't need you to do anything fancy, no mancy, no pansy. Come with me just as you are. Can you? Can you? That's an altar of earth. You, you, you build yourself like a... We're, we're made from dust, right? Just so you know. Okay, Genesis. That's an, another favorite book of mine. Genesis. We're built from dust. We are made that altar of earth. In Romans chapter 12, God says, "Come, make yourself a living sacrifice, which means that I don't need you. Before this, God talked about the fear of sin that prevents you from going, going, uh, coming up to God. I don't need you to cover up your sins before you approach me because you've already got Jesus. I don't need you to, because you, 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 you have the sin of self-esteem and insecurities that you need everybody to applaud you and recognize you and praise you, that you come to church wearing the, 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 the sexiest or, or guys wearing the tightest, make, making sure that everybody can see your six-pack and make sure they know that you've been working out, right, or, or your packs. Uh, uh, I've not been working out, so I'm going to do this, all right? I've got one pack. Thanks to my, my kids. I've got one pack right now. Um, like, we want to show that, hey, you know, I've got the latest clothes. I've got the, I've got the most expensive clothes. I'm just giving you an example, right? Because we want to cover up our insecurities. So we come to God with all these pretenses. We want to come to God and worship God. We, we don't like to, in the worship team, uh, 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 in the worship presence, whether even alone or whether even in church, we don't dare come to God by raising our hands and falling prostrated on the floor and weeping our eyes out and crying out to God, praise you, Jesus, come to me, Jesus, save me. We don't want to do that. We want to come prim and proper. I come to the altar, prim and proper. I make sure everything's, everything's okay. Pastor, you pray for me, you lay your hands on me, and then I go out, I say amen, prim and proper. We, we don't dare come to God as we are. We dance in His presence like how David danced in His presence. We don't dare because of shame. We don't know what people will say about us. This, well, this crazy man, who is this crazy woman and crazy man coming to church, dancing crazily in the altar? How dare this person? We don't dare, and God is always encouraging us. And every time I read verse 24, I remind myself, you asked me to come as I am. How am I? Do you know, I always believe, if you see me worship in a, in a setting, I, I always try to be, not aware of the people around me. Not because I don't care about people, but it's because I want to try to see, can I worship God without feeling ashamed? Can I lift up my hands? Can I sing as loud as I can? Can I jump? Can I prostrate? Can I kneel? Can I cry? And you see me cry more, more often than not when I'm preaching because I, I, I believe, truly believe, that when I come to God and when God touches you, you do whatever it takes, however it takes, to be absolutely embraced in His presence. So if you cannot prostrate and worship God by yourself at home, 
I'm quite sure you can't do it in a corporate setting unless you're doing it to please people and to show people how spiritual you are. Do you see how deep this verse, one verse can go? Do you see the layers of sin and the layers of sin that we want to cover up? We have one sin. We cover it up with another sin. We cover it up with another sin. We cover it with another sin. And sooner or later, we're just so far away from God and we're asking God, God, where are you? Where are you, God? When we don't realize that God is only silent and so far away, because we've got a great wall of sin that separates us from God. And God says, today, come before me with an altar of earth. But if you build an altar of stones, don't put a hammer to it. It's the same concept. You see, practically speaking, so, okay, let me go into the practice. Practically speaking, if you, if you hammer out nice stones and you put the stone together, imagine this, right? If you're sacrificing a bull on it, the blood, you, you need to, to, to put a proper channel for the blood to flow uh, a certain direction. Otherwise, you'd just be all over the place, right? And it's so difficult for you to go from one place to another place because, hey, remember those times? They were still moving. moving. So if you build a very nice big ziggurat for God, how are you going to move when God asks you to move? You're not ready to move, right? Uh, and how are you going to sacrifice the, the bulls and, and, and the ox and, and the doves on the, on the altar? So God says, build just makeshift stones, number one so that when you sacrifice, it's easy for the blood to just flow to the ground. Same as earth, right? It's easy for the blood to just seep in and flow to the ground, so that when God says, it's time for you to go, you are ready to pick up and go. There's nothing holding you back. That's the altar of stones. Nothing holding you How many of us have something holding us back from moving forward with God? Because we've built a very nice altar of beautiful stones in front of us. Beautiful. When, God, when people look at us, we go, well, we've got the perfect family. We've got the perfect spiritual life. We've got the perfect uh, uh, job. I've got the perfect spouse. I've got the perfect children. I need my children to be all A's. I, need, I, I never want to argue with my spouse. Uh, you know, I'm, I must tell people that me and my spouse, you know, we're, we're on fire for each other. I need to tell people that I'm, I'm praying in every prayer altar in church. I'm so, how many of us use this altar of stones and it prevents us from going forward? How many of us dare to be so vulnerable with each other and say, hey, you know, my children are not doing so well. My marriage may not be doing so well. You know, my spiritual life may not be doing so well. And we come to God just as we are so that when God says, I want to take you from position A to position B now because I think you're ready, we are ready to pluck up and move. We don't have to worry about the done line line, right? Yeah. We don't have to worry about, you know, this and this and that. You know, I... I I think this is pushing it to the extreme, and I'm still trying to live my life that way. But I, I, I read in a book of this missionary, and I respect him a lot. Uh, this missionary says, I live on one luggage. My whole life can be summed up in one luggage. So that whenever God calls me to go, I'm ready to go. Where his presence go, I will go. I don't have to worry about... Um, my house, who's going to look at my house, or my car, or my, how many clothes do I have, you know? And I, I thought, wow, that's a great way to live. And I'm, I, I'm not there yet myself. I'm not there yet. I'm not asking us to be there yet, that we all live out of one luggage. He is amazing and great. But what about everything else in your life? There's so many things to learn here. The fear of sin, the fear of God, the commandments that we try to push boundaries in, are we coming to God as we are? Do we come to God with an altar of dressed stones? And I want to end with this before I pass the time to the worship team. I really like verse um, 
24b, wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. Remind everybody, we always want to be honored by God, right? Do you want to be honored by God? Who doesn't want to be honored by God? I want to be, I want to be blessed by God. I want to be honored by God every day of my life. But God says, you must fear me. Obey my commandments. Make an altar of earth. Make an altar of undressed stones. And the last point, if I have to put a point to this, is wherever God causes his name to be honored, there he will be and bless you. It is not, I do all these things, therefore I deserve to be honored and blessed by God, therefore he must bless me. No. It's God says, I will put you here. And if I honor my name here and you are willing to go there, then he will bless you. And that is one of the strongest verse in the whole Bible for me that I always must remind myself. I never want to put a limit on God. That wherever God says, Isaac, that's where I want you to be. No matter how difficult it is to be in that position, in your career, in your relationship, whatever it is, no matter how difficult it is to be where God wants you to be, it is difficult. Do you know how much feces Moses had to go through bringing the one million people with him? Do you know how much feces, mine, my French, or my Hebrew, <laughs> so to speak? Do you know how much? But God says, that's where I want you to be, Moses. And if I honor my name there, that's where I'll bless you. And I want to leave you with this. Do this because you love God, but never do this to wrestle God's blessing into your life. Always ask God, where do you want me to be today? I will do whatever it takes to, to go into that presence. Then I know that you will bless me wherever God's name is to be honored. So there's so many points to take home today. I hope you feel the, the passion I have for this chapter. I hope you love this chapter as I do. And if you adopt this chapter as your favorite chapter of the Bible, great! It's not Isaac's favorite chapter and it belongs to me. It belongs, this Bible belongs to God. Adopt it as your favorite chapter and remind yourself that I love my God. Nothing else. He's worthy of it all.